3 billion human lives ended on August 29, 1997. The survivors of the nuclear fire called the war Judgment Day. They lived only to face a new nightmare, the war against the machines. Welcome to Paradox, the time travel podcast. I'm Nick Hurwich. I'm Phil Hornshaw. And we're here today to discuss the Terminator franchise. Oh, this is going to be a brain breaker, guys. It's going to hurt. We're going to do Terminators 1, 2, and 3. If you feel like we're insane, we are. But we feel like we can do it because until we get to Genesis, which we'll be discussing next episode, the time travel in the Terminator series is more or less set up. Yeah, it's pretty... After the initial setup in each film, it's just action set pieces and things blowing up. Yeah, and the occasional, like, Arnold takes a second to explain what's going on sort of thing. If you're one of the 12 people... is inevitable. If you're one of the 12 people who've... (laughs) I don't know what that accent was, you guys. (laughs) Phil hasn't slept much in the last couple days. I have not. If you've been wondering where we are... Uh, we've been watching Terminator Genesis and trying to figure that shit out. It's uh, such a mess. We both what a glorious mess. It is a glorious, glorious mess. Glorious, poorly acted mess. Aww. Sorry, guys. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Jai. Um, and, uh, you know, I, for those of you who don't know, I have a two-month-old son who is fantastic but time-consuming, and we both write for a living. So if you would like us to turn out podcasts more quickly make sure to uh support our sponsors who are also us <laughs> incidentally yeah. go buy our books thousands of them at a time <laughs> namely so you created a wormhole and the space hero's guide to glory available yeah. wherever books are so sold and sold anyway. yeah prob- probably not <laughs> they're burning them go back in time and save our books all right so I should go without saying today that uh this today's podcast, as with all of our podcasts, come with a giant spoiler warning. Um, you should have seen Terminators 1 and 2. Don't really need to see 3. Yeah, I think we've got 1 to 2 for sure, or like moments in Terminator 3 that actually matter. Well, and beyond that, it's just not very good. So, like, you know, you should have seen 1 and 2 because they're amazing films. And <laughs> the rest of it, whatever. Here's the thing about Terminator. So... Terminator seems like the most straightforward time travel at first, you know, when you first fire up that movie, it's like, yeah, they came from the future. It sucks there. They're trying to, to shoot Sarah Connor in order to prevent that future from happening. Right. Pretty, pretty straightforward. But as soon as you start like bringing it, to, breaking it down and applying like literally anything that we know about physics yeah. to Terminator, it like goes out the window in a hurry. Nothing makes sense at all. It's, uh, it's just like, doesn't, adhere to the rules of causality at all as we know them in the physical world james cameron turned out a couple of pretty great movies but he did not really give a shit about whether they made a ton of sense as long as they were fairly they're pseudo consistent internally yeah kind of well again they're mostly setups but that's also why today should be super fun should be good so let's start with terminator one and we're going to do our best to not jump ahead uh, as much as Genesis is in our, our brain hemispheres right now, we're yeah. going to try and stick to Terminator 1. Once we get to 2, we'll, you know, we'll obviously build on whatever internal logic the film is adding or breaking. 
but Phil, set us up with what happens in Terminator 1. Indeed. Okay, so Terminator 1 starts with um, a couple of weird arrivals of what turned out to be time travelers. One's a Terminator, <clears throat> played by Arnold Schwarzenegger. One is a, a random guy, uh, played by Michael Bean. And they, we don't really know what they're doing until they converge on Sarah Connor, who is a waitress. And one wants to kill her, and one wants to save her. And then we get a great um, sort of monologuing moment from Michael Bean, Kyle Reese, where he explains that in the future, 2029, I believe, in the future, uh, there's a war between a sentient AI-like weapons platform called Skynet that has taken over the world after triggering a nuclear war. Um, I, I, ostensibly, between it, it heated up the Cold War because Cameron was really very rooted in the idea of like uh, the Eastern Bloc and stuff in a lot of his movies, and uh, it's you know the late '80s. So the Skynet triggered a nuclear war, shot all the nukes from America at Russia, and you know and vice versa. Yeah, exactly. Did the, well, Skynet only had control of. We're gonna get here. Let's get technical. Um, Skynet only had control of American nuclear weapons, Is that and true? what they were doing was it destroyed, it used mutually assured destruction doctrine in order to wipe out the planet. Uh-huh. Isn't that cool? Isn't that smart? Good robot thinking. Anyway. <laughs> um, the last time that they apply good robot thinking. Yeah, well. <laughs> uh, yeah, so so the next, you know, that happens in, Judgment Day happens in like 1997. Um, and the next 22 years are basically Skynet attempting to wipe out humanity. It's right? machines versus humans. Yeah, exactly. What's left of humans. <clears throat> so, um, humanity puts up a pretty good fight, apparently, <laughs> um, in that they survive in rebels or whatever. Mostly thanks years. to the exploits of one John Connor. Well, eventually, we're led yeah, to believe. exactly. Um, the humans are scrabbling to stay alive, and then eventually, a dude rises from among them, named John Connor, teaches them how to fight the machines effectively and leads them to victory. Uh, Kyle Reese says that they were on the cusp of victory in this war. They had defeated Skynet, smashed its defense grid with quotes, um, cause we don't know what that means. <laughs> um, but, uh, had won, had won the war and Skynet had like a secret weapon in hiding, a last ditch effort kind of thing. And that was to send one of its infiltration robots, a Terminator in the past to assassinate uh, John Connor's mom before he was born to prevent him from existing to keep the resistance from having his unifying capabilities or his leadership and therefore win the war before it ever started. And that's the whole setup of Terminator. And then the rest of the movie is Kyle who is... Uh, Mostly just a horror movie. Yeah, 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 right? So, so here's where it gets weird. Skynet sends back a Terminator from 2029 presumably after... Apparently, after the destruction of Skynet, or after Skynet is defeated, but before Kyle Reese is sent back, and Kyle Reese is sent back by John Connor to Sarah Connor to protect her from this. And it's impl- I mean, it's worth pointing out that I mean, some of the brilliance of the screenwriting in Terminator One and Two is they rarely stop and they're like, "Here's exposition." No, yeah, and it's about. all kind of built in and implied, and and you kind of have to piece together details to get this story. Right. Uh, well, Terminator but- One is great. Um, because Kyle just gets to rattle it off every once in a while. Like, well, at first he's like, listen, it's a robot, shut up. (laughs) They're just like on the run being shot at. And he's he's giving her little snippets of whatever's going on. Um, 
Later, there's a really great scene in the police station after they get captured by the cops, where he's like, you know, just rattling off time travel, you know, future information to whoever will listen. Like, for no good reason, really. He's just like, no, I, you know, it's real. Why aren't you listening to me? <laughs> yeah, he wasn't He wasn't very well trained in, like, the current events of 1984. No, uh, not even a little. Which, to be fair, he grew up after the, uh, after the bombs fell, so he's never encountered society as we know it, which is very, it's kind of interesting the way he has to react immediately to a world he's never known. Yeah. But anyway, um... Yeah, we get like snatches of it. He talks he talks to Sarah and he gets a, an extended flashback where you kind of like see one of the Terminators in action in 2029. You know, you get a sense of what this war is like and how horrible it is and how the time travel works. But suffice to say that the Terminator goes back, then Kyle goes back. They come back to the same point. Um, they don't have a ton of information, so they have to kind of wait for each other to make their move. And, uh, and once they've done that, they um, move on through the rest of the movie, which is just cat and mouse fights, basically, car chases. Yep. Um, so, yeah, and then we'll, we'll, let's close it down. So, um, eventually, Kyle and Sarah um, fall in love. Fall in love. Cool. They, or they make love. Anyway. Yeah, they make love. That's so the important that's, point. That's the functional part of it. It's about, you know, span of two, three days of this. Uh, running from the Terminator thing. Eventually, um, Kyle is is killed by the Terminator, or killed in killed in the service of of saving Sarah. Um, she manages to destroy the Terminator in the final moments in like a weird factory machine shop. I can't remember exactly what that place is. She kills it. It's like there's always one of those lying around. Right? In the yeah, exactly. Movies. Yeah, there's a ton let's, of let's like, duck into this factory. <laughs> Luckily, America was still an industrial powerhouse. When these movies were made. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, she, she destroys it. She, sa- she stays alive. And then, you know, the movie ends with Sarah shooting the photo that Kyle had that he was given by John, making tapes for John based on all this information that Kyle gave her and kind of recognizing that John sent his own father back from the future to protect his mom and in so doing created his own existence. And then movies kind of like, don't know what's going to happen next. Let's just end there. Yeah. And that's Terminator 1. So, so yeah. Uh, you know. So let's, let's, let's dive into the... There's a whole hell of a lot going on here. The mess that James Cameron has left us with in terms of the time travel. Okay, so let's, let's think about uh, the timeline as a straight line for now. <laughs> it's um, going to last about two seconds. So... It's implied that, you know, because the the time travel mechanism um, is the, the machine's secret weapon, there's only one time machine. Yeah. It's not like the human resistance also has a time machine. And, you know, it's implied that what happens is that just after the machines send their robot agent to the past to kill Sarah Connor, John Connor sends Kyle Reese to the past using right. the same time machine. Yeah, in fact, um, Kyle kind of runs it down. They are basically breaking into the place as Skynet is using it. Yes. Know? It's sort of last-second, throw-a-guy-through-time kind of thing. Yeah. They fight their way in. They take over the facility. Um, John sends Kyle back, you know, basically in hot pursuit of this Terminator. And then they trash the facility, right? Terminator yeah. 1 is really self-contained in this way. It's supposed to be like... 
those two guys are the only two guys who can deal with this. And they're, the whole hope of the future is resting on them because, like, for whatever reason, they couldn't send any more dudes through time. Or, you know, there are all these limiting factors. But the point is, they, they wrecked it to stop this from ever happening again. Right? Yeah. It's just this one shot. But in, so. but in, so, but in thinking about time travel as a straight line, which this movie uh, does yes. so far, Terminator One thinks about time as a as a single uh, forward moving timeline. They've already failed. <laughs> yeah. Because the instant that uh, the that Skynet sends the T one hundred one into the past to kill Sarah Connor, John Connor and Kyle Reese are then standing in a future in which that Terminator has already gone back to the past to accomplish the goal of killing Sarah Connor. The problem being that, uh, you know, the movie is based around the dynamic between um, T-101 destroyer, assassin, and Kyle Reese savior. So the implication is that without Kyle Reese's assistance and him swooping in to save Sarah Connor, the T-101 would easily accomplish his mission. One thing. One would assume... Unless Kyrie's is completely irrelevant, um, yeah. Which which the movie the movie itself argues is not the case. So Kyrie's and John Connor would be standing in a universe in which the Terminator accomplished its mission, which probably means that John Connor A wouldn't exist, and B they would not be there standing in front of the Skynet uh, right. machine anymore. Well, instantly the, whole, the time would yeah, have changed. Here's the whole thing, right? So when we talked about Back to the Future, we talked about as soon as Marty McFly hits the past, he's rewriting everything that happens after that, right? Yes. He's overwriting the entire portion of the timeline that starts in 1955 and goes to wherever, everything. It's, it's beyond when he left. It's all of the future after 1955. Correct. If we apply that same logic, which is, you know, causality... If we, that's the way we think about time. If we apply that to Terminator, then things get all kinds of weird right away. So, like you said, if a Terminator leaves 2029, there, <clears throat> and he arrives in 1985, or I think it's 85, right, or 88, I can't remember exactly. It's 88, I think. Uh, no, I think it's I think it's even 84, because I think John oh, Connor's yeah, born right. no, in 84. That's right. I'm sorry, God. Anyway, um... As soon as the Terminator hits 84, he's rewriting the timeline from there, based on his influence. Um, It's a different... The future that he left from should no longer exist because he's in the past changing it. And so Terminator assumes this weird, like, grace period, (laughs) I guess is the only way to put it, um, where the changes that are being made in the past haven't caught up to the future yet. It doesn't super make sense. It's a movie where it's thing. Like, where it's like the wave is coming at them, like yeah. the cold in 2012. Um, Run, Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. No, that's... Uh, oh, John that's, Cusack. Yeah, 2012. That's the earthquakes in 2012. Oh, or shit. the cold in Day After Tomorrow. Day After Tomorrow. <laughs> yes. See, this is why we're a time travel podcast exactly. and not an apocalypse con- mm-hmm. podcast. But anyway, so as soon as the Terminator hits the past... He should be there to change everything, right? We, we're instantly getting a new timeline. Apparently, I mean, so if you go into the Terminator wiki, which I did, you know, after we had already talked about this. No! I know, but they're, they're right on there. They're right there with us, right? Yeah. They're like, okay, so you've got, we're going to start with timeline A. We'll get, to, we'll get to some other things about that, about the A designation later. Yes. But, so timeline A is 
the the timeline in which we see in the movie where the Terminator shows up. He arrives at um, uh, Griffith uh, Griffith Park Observatory, in fact, in L.A. About a, about half a mile from where we're sitting currently. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he pops in, and you know he should be he's in eighty he's in eighty four. He's not. Everything that happens after that should be changed. Never mind so, any of the motherfuckers that the T101 just decimates. I know. Just in an effort to get clothing and a motorcycle. So, yeah, like, I mean, that's the very first thing that happens. He kills a bunch of guys. Anyway, the point is, those, you know, 10 minutes or whatever between when T101 leaves and when Kyle Reese arrives have already changed everything. The timeline is already completely different. We're already in timeline B. As yes. soon as the Terminator hits. Yeah. So, I guess the implication is. The Terminator goes back once, and from timeline A to timeline B, rewrites the entire future, fails to do his job, oh, totally unhindered, um, and then we get back up, we catch back up to the future when John and Kyle arrive, basically. They haven't been erased, and then John has the ability to send Kyle back, and then we get timeline C when Kyle hits, right? Right, because then now he's now you've got the Terminator in the past. Kyle in the past, and they're both interacting and rewriting the future as we know it, right? So that's timeline C is the uh, in this in this case is, is where a bulk the of the movie, movie takes place, see, right? And th- okay, so that's one possibility where where each time it's a different timeline, and somehow the Terminator failed to kill John yeah. Connor despite the lack of Kyle Reese's presence. No, because now, he couldn't have been there. It's worth noting that failure is a big category. Right for that second, that first timeline with the Terminator, fail does not mean didn't catch Sarah Connor, didn't maim Sarah Connor, didn't give somehow information to Sarah Connor that might lead to John Connor knowing what he does about the future or whatever, or maybe he doesn't need that knowledge to still be John Connor. You know, there's a lot of implication that that the training that Sarah gave him and her information about the future help to shape him into the leader that he becomes and you know it's all self-fulfilling prophecy sure but it's not it's not out of the realm that sarah doesn't fight the terminator somehow or you know other people stop it or whatever she gets injured she finds out they figure out it's a robot all kinds of things could happen in that timeline we have no idea right it doesn't kill her and it doesn't prevent john's birth but that's the only criteria for failure anything else that happens happens yeah, which you could which you could argue because of how the the movie plays out, because of the fact that Kyrie gets to send back. You could also argue that the movie says that Kyrie is essential to her survival. So yeah, I mean, no, definitely. Another I, possibility is that both the Terminator and Kyrie are not traveling into their own past, but rather a parallel universe where their futures are unaffected yeah see this is the only way i feel like it really makes sense is if we're we throw out the fact that we're actually time traveling um kind of breaks you know what the movie says is happening but it makes a whole hell of a lot more sense if the terminator and kyle are actually departing from universe a right which is functionally very similar maybe identical ish close to to universe b so kyle terminator leaves universe a and ends up in universe b in 1984 right and kyle leaves universe a and leaves and enters universe b in 1984 correct the terminator being there hasn't rewritten the future 
because they're both coming from a different point. He, they, the Terminator doesn't disallow for Kyle Reese's existence, basically. Yeah. That's gets around all these causality issues because they're moving parallel rather than back and forth. Which, given the text of the movie, is equally plausible yeah. uh, as you know the the first version, which is that the Terminator fails in its mission without right. the presence of Kyle Reese. Yeah, I mean we're 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 reading a lot of implications in here, but they're they're implications that come from the fact that the movie's rules don't super line up with what we know about reality. So we're kind of making we're we're trying to find ways in which they fit, right? So. The parallel move works just as much as, like you said, the, a timeline and another timeline and another timeline. That's the way fans on the wiki have made it work, is that instead of, you see a single timeline in the movie, but they're preceded by, I think, three timelines that happened before that to set that timeline up, and then another two timelines for the next movie, and another three timelines. It gets, it gets well, so messy. let's, I mean, that that's the other big thing to unpack, and it's all still based around oh. John Connor. I wanted to mention one more thing. Um, Kyle says, this is, I mean, I think we have to kind of take what the characters say about time travel in all these movies with a grain of salt because they keep laying down rules that the movies don't follow. <laughs> so, right. Or they re... Well, what they, does Kyle know? It's he, They well, just Ky, stumbled yeah. across a time exactly. machine and he just time traveled for the first time. And he's not, he says, he's not a tech guy. He's not a scientist. He's a soldier. Right? So he doesn't super know. What he says to Sarah is that when he when she says, you're from the future, he's like, one possible future from your point of view. Like, he's already kind of allowing for different states, different realities, possibly. Right. He, we don't super know. They don't get into it. But that's a hand wave move from Cameron, which is fine. Because the whole movie hand waves a lot of this stuff. Because it's not important. It's yeah. not essential to what makes the movie cool. Until you make several sequels. Well, exactly. <laughs> it's the compounding yes. that really makes... And the asking of questions, movie. which is what we're doing right now. <laughs> but yeah, so like, it's possible that something else is at play here. It doesn't seem like the characters super know what they're talking about at any given point because they're, they're rewriting the rules on the fly based on whoever wrote the script and uh, whatever movie they want to make as far as who Arnold is fighting. Right, so, so I mean, yeah, per usual we're... You know, we're we're having to judge the film based on the rules the film itself sets out, uh, for better or for worse. Well, we're trying to. Yeah. But this is a case where I think we kind of throw them away. And it's the only way to make it make sense. Which is, I'm kind of cool with, but just, you know, from here forward, I guess. We'll see, moving forward. So, yeah, the other big thing to unpack, obviously, is the existence and the uh, conception of John Connor himself. This all gets messy. So, you know, if you think about it for two seconds, it becomes a, a kind of a, a, a paradoxical disaster yeah. in that uh, John Connor creates for his own existence by sending his own father into the past, um, yeah. which is fun for a second, actually, if you think about it. And this is where Phil was talking about, okay, you know, there's the timeline A uh, where, you know, the term T-101 arrives in the past well, you kind of have to back up from there right. because, um, okay, there, there, there are several different readings of this. I had a buddy who I was talking to about this, and he was he just kind of scoffed at the notion of multiple timelines. And he's like, "Well, couldn't you argue that Kyrie's was always there?" He's like, he, "There's like the timeline, no matter no matter whether the future happened or not, or what future it was or not, 
Kyrie's always ends up in the past, and he is always John Connor's father. The problem with this is that it erases the notion of free will. Yeah, it's a causality. idea. It means that the future is written as much as the past, which is a valid read, but not one that is fun to think about or that is supported by the text. This movie is a valid read in this movie and this movie only, right? So if you follow... Cameron kind of did a good job of this. He's... Um, <clears throat> so the idea of it all is that the timeline as we know it is not unfolding as we're watching it. It's already happened. It's already set. Right. right? So that in that way, the future can be an antecedent for the past because the entire object of the timeline exists in whole. Right. Those interactions were already in the timeline the first time it went through. Right. Because they are always predestined to happen. They are always, um, you know, part of the, the machinations of, of time. It's not... And th- what this means is that <clears throat> when Sarah and Kyle say the future is not set, they are wrong. <laughs> they are... It's not true. It's the lie because, they tell themselves. Well, that, because the loop always is supposed to exist. Kyle always comes back and makes John and... Period. That's that's how it happens. John exists because he exists. Kyle goes back because he goes back. He's he. The future is a cause for the past, but it's all static, can't be altered. Right. So that's the only way that works. Um, like you said, though, if we start to to think about it as being reshaped by the influence of time travelers, which is what the movie wants it to be, um, I, I think we can. I think we can fairly say that. That's what Cameron's going for. Well, so you can you can work backwards, which is a little more fun. So mm-hmm. you know, there's a version where uh, we're, we're tra- let, let's imagine a new timeline. A the right. first the first time forward, there's no time travelers that arrive in yeah. the '80s. We uh, did the same thing with Back to the Future. If you remember, you've got the unaltered original no time traveler time that's what we're talking about which almost always you you have to have or needs to be implied well yeah i mean it's the it's the way things happened leading up to the first instance of time travel right right so that's what we're talking about we're talking about the baseline timeline a you know natural timeline no time travel period yes because you have to reach that point in the future where time travel exists and occurs for the first time in order for the past to be altered by it yeah and that's all the events that lead to the causation that is time travel, right? Everything going forward the first time from start to finish that led to the creation of time travel and then set up the conditions under which people would time travel to go back and presumably change things. Correct. That's what we're talking about. So in this version, because no, there's no Kyle Reese to come in the past, uh, you could read that uh, Sarah Connor meets somebody else yeah. Has a baby with someone else. Names yeah, just like that... in her natural life. Right. right. Un, uninterrupted by future people life. She meets a dude. Yep. And has a baby. Has a baby. Names it John. His name is John Connor. Yeah, apparently that doesn't take the father's name for whatever reason. Yeah, does not important. Yeah. You can even read that that's one timeline before uh, the, the one that we see from, from... Well, not the one that we see. The one that we hear about from which... The T-101 and uh, Kyle Reese are sent back. So in that version of the timeline, the John Connor who sends Kyle Reese back is not the John Connor that is born from Sarah Connor's mother, yeah. Kyle Reese's father. It's a different John Connor. 
Mm-hmm. And just because Kyle Reese comes back in the movie that we see and talks about a John Connor, and they end up having having sex, and Sarah Connor becomes pregnant, when she has that baby, she names it John Connor. Right. It, it, well, it doesn't disallow for the first John Connor, John Connor A, but it's a different guy. Yeah, he's, from a, a, different, he's a different dude. Different dude. Well, I mean, he's altogether a different dude, period. He would have been a different dude no matter what, because as much as he's changed by um, being the son of Kyle Reese, he's changed by the way Sarah Connor has changed. Well, I mean, and that's we'll, what we see in And we'll movie. get to that in, in right. Terminator 2. Well, no, I mean, just the, the point is that all the future information that Kyle brings with him in that in the first timeline B, or, well, I guess it would be C. So hang on, here we go. This is Let's get weird. <laughs> oh, hey, no time travel. Hey, time Sarah Connor mm-hmm. has a baby named right. John Connor from a different father who is sure. not Kyle Reese. Skynet happens. John, John Connor leaves Wins. the resistance. Yeah. Sends Kyrie's back. No, 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 not yet, not yet. Oh. You get, no, this is what I was saying. Okay, so you, timeline A, John Connor is born. John Connor leads the resistance. Skynet loses. Skynet sends a Terminator back to destroy him, right? Timeline B, Terminator arrives. Somehow does not manage to kill John. Right. John sends back a protector to protect his mother, knowing, at least to some degree, that the Terminator so, yeah, B, is B, and then That's C. B. C, Kyle Reese comes back, right. interacts with the time uh, with the Terminator, causes John Con- a new John Connor, gives Sarah all kinds of new information, and then that's the timeline that we're in. That's the timeline of that movie, right? So that's when it gets weird. But <clears throat> yeah, I mean, but the point is that Kyle's interaction with Sarah, which is a huge info dump about the future, about her son, about what to expect, you know, and we see all that played out in. Terminator 2, like you said. But he changes um, who John Connor is going to be hugely just by virtue of talking to Sarah. Even even more, or even as much as, I think, genetically, he's a different kid. Right. You know? In the first two timelines, he's this, he's a different, he's a separate John Connor from the Kyle Reese John Connor. Or, Ky- or John Reese is almost a better way to do it. You know? he's Timeline C is a different man. Yeah. And then, if it loops, from there... The way Terminator works is that, actually, it's not timeline C we see in the movie. That's right. Okay, so, again, I told you it was strange. So timeline C is the very first time that Kyle Reese goes back, right? He goes back, he talks to Sarah, they fall in love, they create John. Sarah takes the photo. Sarah says, uh, creates the the tape and be like... The photo in question being the one that John yeah. gives to Kyle Reese. Yeah, this Which Polaroid. he carries with him to identify her. Right. Which he takes at the... She takes at the end of the movie. Yes. After, after all the events. Right. Right. And she makes tapes for John saying that Kyle's his dad. Right. Right. All this is established. So, <clears throat> um, for John to have all that information, we must be some timeline after timeline C. Maybe. Right. Well, it's the second time, it's at least the second time that Kyle has gone back. Not, not, not well, necessarily. Because Kyle has that photo. Because there always has to be, there always has to be the first time that, that's yeah. true, he does have he the photo. He has the photo and John has but the it, tape. But he could have, he, she could have taken that photo, John could have come in possession of that photo and given it to John without... To Kyle. Without, yeah. Yeah. Or John could wait, have given wait. it to Kyle. We don't, we don't necessarily know. It, you, what you're saying is true... 
insofar as it could be uh, not necessarily the first time that Kyle's gone back, which is the implication that we get in Terminator 2, right? Where which is that John knows all these things, but there's still the first time that Kyle goes back and meets Sarah Connor, and they, you know, they, okay, they no, have sex, right. and they kind of organically fall in love, so, and then going from there, then it's, you're then right. it's kind of predestined. The and problem is, the problem was with my interpretation is the filter that is Sarah Connor. Right. From Sarah Connor's standpoint, she's going, are you going to send, you're going to have to send back your dad, because it's the only dad she's ever known in timeline C. Right. Right. So you're right. It could be the very first Implicate, or it could be the very first time through this loop, and that's supported by the rest of the movies. But it could um, be a further one down. We don't. Yeah, exactly. It, but it could easily be timeline C number one, or it could have happened over and over again. You know, in this endless loop where Kyle Reese sets up John's existence, and then John sets up Kyle Reese to go back, and they just keep looping. Yeah. But um, I think it, I think you might be right. I think it might be the first timeline C ever. Or, well, or the first loop, because I don't think... The problem with the movies is um, everything gets messed up in the other two films so that the continual time loop doesn't exist anymore. It's self-contained here, and it could be as many loops as we want it to be. Who knows? But the, context, the textual evidence of Terminator 2 and Terminator 3 suggests that it's not a loop. It was just the first time. Right. Kyle going back changed... Yeah, and and so, uh, so it happened organically, Kyle and Sarah, and and John the first time. Right. But then, as we see in Terminator Two, which we should transition to, in a minute here, right um, it, Sarah is, uh, recording messages, giving the photo, basically planting information into her son right. that he will then have in the future, and so he knows that he has to send Kyle back. Right. So. Yeah, I think we're good. I think let's move on to Terminator 2. Yeah. Okay. You want to set us up with how... Terminator 2! Yeah. This is going to get weird now. We're going to, again, additionally weird. Um, because if we go by all the rules of Terminator 1, we've got a lot more timelines. But we'll get to that in a minute. Okay, so Terminator 2. Um, we jump ahead 10 years-ish. It's 92, I think, but I think there's been some shifting of... How old John is and stuff. I don't remember. Anyway, <laughs> the point is, um, Sarah and John, for you know the first eight years of his life or whatever, were on the run. Sarah kept him off the grid. She was slowly teaching him shit, taking him to think to like Mexico, hanging out with arms dealers, whatever. Right? They were on the run. Um, Sarah became some kind of like mercenary, warrior, traitor, mentor, awesome soldier person. She becomes, like, just amazing. Uh, but somewhere in, along the line, they got grabbed by the cops or something. Sarah wound up in a mental institution. John wound up in the uh, foster system. So you have to imagine that, you know, if you <laughs> if you yeah. lived through an experience where a future robot came back to kill you, oh, yeah. and a future man came back to save you, and ended up having his, uh, his love child, right. that would kind of impact your mental state and your your oh, life yeah. choices from no, there I mean, on. It, that's and this is what I was saying before. It changes everything about Sarah Connor. Yeah. Like one hundred percent. From waitress to warrior. Yeah. Pretty quick. In ten years or less. Yeah. Right? Like super one eighties it. But and she knows the stuff all happens, so they have a hard time, you know, putting her through usual psychiatric channels. 
Because she fucking fought the robot and killed it, right? So she trusts herself, I guess. Anyway, um, so John's out in the world being a delinquent. Sarah's locked up. And then a couple of new Terminators show up. First, we get the T-1000, Robert Patrick, kicking some ass. Um, it's a new kind of Terminator that has, like, poly-metal-changing, shape-shifting capabilities. Which right. is totally nonsense. It's a it's a T one thousand, right? So the original T Terminator, um, I I, I double checked this research, right? It's called the the metal part is called the T eight hundred, right? Um, the the skin is the T one hundred one part, right? right? So it's model one hundred one is Arnold, and eight hundred is the is the robot underneath. T one thousand is you know whatever however many orders of magnitude Skynet is a robot without circuitry right which well, is none of it magic sense. movie he's, realism he's movie yeah he's movie magic because also in the time travel rules of Terminator one the reason they needed to send a Terminator back was that because of something with the quantum field blah 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 um, dead stuff can't travel through time and by dead we mean inanimate. Apparently, non-organic matter can't travel through time. Right. You can trick it, however, if you send a robot that is covered in skin <laughs> back in time. Which, again, whatever. <laughs> well, yeah, that but makes, that the, makes the liquid is. metal even more fucked up. It's because it's a robot weird. without circuitry that can not only look like human skin, but is. Yeah, right. It is well, actually organic. Because, again, we're just like... These rules suck. Let's throw them away. This will be a cooler movie. And it yeah. is. Like, I'm fine. We can talk about how Terminator 2 kind of ruined everything. I mean, it's great. It's great. But it ruined any possibility of ever having another Terminator sequel. Yeah, it really does. <laughs> well, that was what it was meant to do. Yeah. But it fucked it up because the franchise... So James good. Cameron has a habit of doing that. See yeah. also Alien franchise. Right. Yep. Anyway. Um, yeah, so the, the original rules are that that's why you can't take clothes. That's why you can't take weapons. You have to be alive to travel through time. Um, and the Terminator gets around it by being alive on the outside and a Terminator on the inside. So, you know, those are the arbitrary limitations of the time travel. In Terminator 2, um, the shape-changing, apparently still able to replicate organic matter, Terminator or T-1000 comes back, and then he's followed by another T-800 of the Arnold Schwarzenegger variety, and they, again, take on the role of uh, assassin and protector. Right. Right. And it's awesome because you don't know if that if the Arnold, who was a terrifying exterminator mm-hmm. in the first movie, is there to also kill Sarah, but it turns out yeah. uh, she he's there to protect her. It's been reprogrammed by yep. John Connor. reprogrammed by John Connor. Um, and now back in the past, you know, and then we've got all these character moments where Sarah is haunted by the idea of Judgment Day. She knows it's coming. No one listens to her. August 29th, 1997. Thank you. Um, yeah, so then the movie progresses. They break her out. Connor, uh, John and the, John, Young John and the Terminator break Sarah out of um, her holding cell. And they're going to go lay low because the Terminator T-1000 is basically unkillable. Yeah. Right? It's like a, a whole different level of fucking terrible... Um, but instead, Sarah convinces them that they ought to go to Cyberdyne, the creators of Skynet, and prevent Skynet from occurring, right? They're going to go ahead and rewrite the future by destroying the company, stopping the guy who invents Skynet, whose name is Miles Dyson, um, and otherwise just, like, preventing 
they're going to do to Skynet, which is what Skynet has been trying to do to John. It's worth noting awesome. that even though we don't see the creation of Skynet already in Terminator 2, it's being created in a different way yeah. than we heard about in the original Terminator. Which so, is this is another good this is another good reason why I think we're in the first the first loop. It's an implied loop, but it's not a loop, right? Where you know John is setting up his own existence with Kyle, because so we're still in the same timeline in Terminator Two as Terminator One, but already everybody in Terminator Two is making new decisions and making new changes, right? Like, um, well, what you're referring to is that Skynet is being created using Cyberdyne has a bunch of like ruined Terminators. Well, Cyberdyne wasn't ruined. a thing in the first creation of Skynet. It was. Yeah, it was. It, yeah, it was. It was. Kyle says. When he, when he says the designation of the Terminator, he says it's Terminator, Cyberdyne, uh, Systems okay. Model Y. Ignore me. No, it's okay. It's okay. So, but Cyberdyne has been, Cyberdyne was one of the words that John, or that uh, Cameron created all along. Right. Okay. So, Cyberdyne was always the thing. But, like you said, when we start to see scenes that involve Miles Dyson and Skynet, we see that um, Skynet's creation is being based on the chip that was found in the Terminator's skull and portion of its arm that survived being crushed. It was the portion that was trying to choke out Sarah Connor in its waning moments of life, basically, yeah. in the first movie. Which was found somehow. Well, I guess they owned that factory, and somebody came in there on Monday and was like, what the hell is all this nonsense? Yeah. <laughs> what in the hell? <laughs> I found a robot. Um, also, the factory was destroyed. Yeah. But so that guy was either promoted or fired. Yeah, right. Or killed. Yeah, more than likely. <laughs> why do you? Not, why wouldn't you? Well, Sorry, Bob. <laughs> it's too bad. You and your family. Or, or actually, it's, I never thought about this, but Skynet. It's very lucky for Skynet that eBay was not a thing, <laughs> because otherwise, found that shit robot arm scattered to the wind. Yeah, yeah. It's just some in some nerd's house. So eBay also part of Skynet. Yeah, there you go. That's, <laughs> That's the loophole. Yeah. Anything computers. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, so... So, Miles Dyson is at Cyberdyne creating, creating Skynet. Based on Terminator tech from the future. Right? right. So, just as John Connor himself is a creation of the future interacting with the past, so, too, in this timeline, is Skynet a creation of the future interacting with the past? Well, and so what's in, what's in interesting way. is that I don't think they ever state this explicitly, but it's implied that it's it's okay already from the get go. It's like why liquid metal now? Why is that happening? Oh, and if well. and if they had it, why didn't they send that back in Terminator One? Well, and obviously what Kyle said about destroying the time travel facility, not true. Or there were other time travel facilities. Actually, basically well, this rewrites everything that Kyle said about the end of the war. I, I feel like I feel like it could be true, but in in the changed version well, of events, exactly, there's something else true. So like Kyle's version of the future doesn't doesn't, yeah. and he doesn't recognize this. this is, again. This is another reason why I think we kind of have to toss out what these folks are saying about time travel, or what they think is about the future, because the moment they come back with information about the future, they're changing it all, right? So they, it's not, it doesn't follow anymore, right? But so the easy the easy conclusion to draw is that well now that the Terminator technology was in the past 
and it was it was found and that's the foundation on which skynet is being built uh the the robot army the machines end up more advanced than yeah. they than they did in the future where Kyle Reese in Terminator 1 came from. Right. So we're, we're reading in into this timeline that Judgment Day... Well, we don't know when Judgment Day occurs. Well, no, we do. I think the Terminator says so. Um, but anyway, so Judgment Day isn't altered, but Cyberdyne's research is, and it changes Skynet in such a way that it's, like you said, more advanced or at least further along somehow in its Terminator development. And... I mean, the Kyle Reese event, I, I, we don't know. We don't know how that occurs. Yeah. But we do know that somewhere in the future, more Terminators get sent back and they're better. And whatever whatever Kyle said about the past. But they also, the other interesting thing is that there does seem to be some kind of carryover with information for Skynet in as much as it knows... It doesn't try again the same thing, right? Or whatever. Or it's either it's either later in the timeline where it's kind of it's like that didn't work. Let's try something else. Or it's a sufficiently different timeline, but Skynet still has sufficient information to say, okay, it's a failure to send a Terminator back to eighty four to destroy. Let's try it at age ten. Right. right. Well, so this is one of the ways in which. Terminator 2 is both amazing and destroys all future possibilities right. for Terminator sequels. Because one of the brilliant things that James Cameron does is that he gives you just enough information to make everything work in his movie. Right. But he doesn't, doesn't give matter. you so much information that he patches things up. And so, you know, future attempts at sequels end up trying to extrapolate or explain or change and it, right. and it screws things up. So an obvious question here is, well, if you have the ability to time travel, why not just try that first time again? Yeah. Like, why, or, or why, why Send not kill, back. why not kill, uh, you know, Sarah Connor's dad? Why mm. not send the T-1000, an obviously superior robot, right. uh, to, to a different time? Why don't you have infinite opportunity to yeah. try and correct this? And also, what's happening in the future that every damn time you send somebody back to the past, the freaking rebels are right there on your heels with their own dude right. to send back to the past. That happens every damn time. Well, part of the good so so the good part of the answer is that time travel is difficult, and that part is good. Whenever you're telling a time travel story, pretty smart to make time travel as hard uh, as difficult as possible. I mean, the, and like with screwy rules too, it helps. Yeah, the plot the plots of Back to the Future all burn down to like getting the necessary resources and get everything to line up so right. that you can time travel back to where you came yeah, from. Yeah, exactly. The time, uh, all the Back to the Future movies are fuck it up as little as possible while you see while trying to get travel. home. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because, but if you if you know if it's not difficult, then it raises all these questions. Why why aren't you just going back willy nilly? Yeah, why aren't you trying harder? Which which uh, gets delved into in Sarah Connor Chronicles, which we which will not, not be talking talk about, about today. Or, or, <laughs> I don't think ever. Uh, maybe, maybe eventually maybe. we'll tackle Well, it. first of all, you have to watch it all. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of it. Yeah. Sarah Connor Chronicles, um, for those of you who don't know, is a short-lived TV show based on the Terminator franchise that takes place uh, in between everything. It's in the, the, the aughts, like 2000. Right. 
eight-ish or something like that. Well, it was, it was pre... Was it after Terminator 3? I think so. I think or or they were But it was around. before Salvation. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, it introduces a shitload more time travel, and it's a huge mess, and we're just going to keep it... We're going to keep it separate. As much as I like the show, and I really do... Um, it just we can't. <laughs> well, so it opens the it can of worms everything. that we're talking about right now, yeah. which is time travel willy nilly. Mm-hmm. They're just taking Terminator One and Terminator Two for what they're, and even Terminator Three. I mean, a, a a pet theory that I enjoy, which I wish, as much as I enjoy how little uh, James Cameron explains, he gives you just enough. I wish he had built in this rule. I wish that the way time travel worked was. Okay, you can time travel, but you can only go 30 years into the past. Or, well, I guess in this case, it would be, well, it's like 45 years into the past right. from the from 2029 to 1984. But The length of John's life, which he's pretty old. Yeah, I mean, you, I, I guess Terminator 2 doesn't completely follow that because 2029 is still the the date but if it happened later because of the events of t1 and it was still a set amount of time it would explain why oh 10 years have passed between yeah. terminator 1 and terminator 2 and 10 years have passed between time travel jumps yes right. precisely and which is why in terminator 3 when john connor is grown up yeah that's why the terminator and savior are sent back yeah, exactly. to that time they're always showing up at the least the furthest back they can go yes but by rewriting the damn timeline every day, time they show up they're actually shifting the whole thing later and later right, right. and it's, it's you know and you know you could even take it further and say well you can't travel shorter distances either otherwise you know why not just show up when sarah connor's in labor labor and yeah. snap john well, connor's neck or we should we should say that a big part of all why, why all this works also is that Skynet has, like, no information about this time, which makes sense. Like, right. do, you, do you remember what you were doing in 1984 kind of thing? Like, I mean, there's not there's not detailed records of anything like that. So it's not it's not like you can go, well, why don't you send the Terminator to show up when she's taking a dump? Like, <laughs> how right. do you know? Yeah, like, you don't know. You don't know where she is. You have a vague, Skynet has a vague sense that Sarah is in L.A., and this is what her name is. I mean, Arnold literally goes to the phone book. It doesn't even have a photo. Right. You know? So it's not like there's super good records for anybody. It's a good thing Facebook didn't exist. Yeah, exactly. Things might be a little different now. We but... made short work of you, John Connor. Yep. At the arcade. <laughs> but yeah. Um... Unfortunately, they don't make that rule. And so it's kind of left as a lingering question, yeah. which unfortunately... The writers of Terminator Genesis attempted to answer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> For another time. Anyway, um, catching back up into Terminator 2. So this is where the movie kind of goes off the rails as far as Terminator is concerned. Um, we're still operating on that thing that John said. John told Kyle to say to Sarah in Terminator 1, future is not set, there's no fate but what you make. And they've been operating on this rule this is the rule that dictates Sarah Connor's life. Um, she's been training John. She's been, you know, preparing him for the future that she thinks is going to happen. But she also fully believes that they can stop it. Right. right. Um, and that she's making, she's trying to make strides toward making John different so that he doesn't have to deal with all this nonsense or that, you know, whatever. He can save these lives. They end up, uh, this, this triumvirate of uh, 
time travel asshole or uh, ass kickers. Sorry, <laughs> um, they wind up going to asshole kickers. Sorry, I was like, what? Um, they end up going to Cyberdyne, and they're Sarah's gonna assassinate Miles Dyson at his home in uh, front of his in kid. In front of his kid, but they wind up becoming friends by proving that um, Arnold is a Terminator. They go to Skynet, and they, or I'm sorry, they go to Cyberdyne with the plan to blow it up and to take the, they take the Terminator gear, they're going to blow the whole place, they're going to erase all the data. They're going to stop Judgment Day from ever happening. They're going to prevent the creation of Skynet. And it seems like they can do it. They're taking out all of Miles' research. They're getting rid of the Terminator that's helping him do it. Well, according to the ending of Terminator 2, they do do it. Exactly. So that's what and happens. Miles Dyson dies anyway. Well, they... According to the end of Terminator 2, they think they've done it. Sure. That's... That they, they do annihilate all these things. They have eliminated the version of Skynet that they're aware of right. and can account for. Exactly. However, it doesn't make anybody blink out of existence because we're, we've got the Marty McFly situation in which you're from a different future from the one that you created. Yes. So you're not immediately erased by the destruction of Skynet. Whatever. Right. Your future is still fucked. Yeah, exactly. So they end up... The, the movie ends with the destruction of the T-1000, um, the destruction of the Terminator 1 chip, the destruction of the Terminator 1 hand, and also the destruction of the Protector T-101 from that movie. So all remnants of the Terminators are eliminated from this timeline. Skynet is apparently dead because they killed it basically in the womb the way Skynet was trying to do to John. All the data's gone. Creator's gone. Right. The company is gone. Yeah. Basically. And, yeah, Sarah and John go into the future thinking they have eliminated Skynet. The end. And there's actually even a, uh, an alternate ending to the movie that, that Cameron filmed, in which Judgment Day doesn't happen. John Connor never becomes a resistance leader. He ends up a senator. Sarah gets to be happy and old. You know, it's the, it's the uh, ideal timeline, actually. Hmm. Unfortunately, it doesn't exist. For yeah. Anyone. Again, mm-hmm. only in the characters' imaginations. Right. So if we double back again and we pull the same nonsense we pulled with Terminator 1 on Terminator 2, we start getting into the mess of timelines again, right? Yeah. So here we go. Um, You have, we're going to say Timeline C again. We're going to catch back up to where we were. Timeline C at the end of Terminator. Kyle Reese impregnates Sarah Connor, dies. Dies. John Connor Connor, right? Yeah. Now, whatever goes on in the future that we're not aware of, Terminator T-1000 is sent back in time, creating Timeline D. Um, he apparently fails in his mission to eliminate John Connor and goes all the way forward again, just like it did in Terminator 1, where John captures, reprograms, and sends back the T-101 who protects him, Timeline E. Right. right? And then Timeline E, I believe, is the timeline we, shoot, we watch in the movie. Right? With ends with the destruction because of the influence of the Terminator, the destruction of Cyberdyne, and apparently the destruction of Skynet. Right. So, that's where we're supposed to be at the end of, time, of Terminator 2. Timeline E, no fake but what you make, totally in your future, as far as we know. Right. Okay. Is that everything? I think that's everything. Whew. So the interesting thing to think about, extending from, from the events of Terminator 2, like, okay, imagine... You're John Connor. Again, again, picture uh, John Connor A, who existed from a different father than Kyle Reese, 
and without the influence of time travel in his childhood. He had a different set of circumstances, seemingly rose from the ashes uh, through you know different flaws, different upbringing right. uh, to lead humanity. But this John Connor, the one who is the subject of the Terminator series, is is interesting because imagine well okay already between Terminator one and two, we see what the influence of time travel time traveling killer robots and time traveling uh, baby daddies has on Sarah Connor. Which but is huge. Imagine you are a young boy. First of all, your mom's insane. You're, you're, yeah. You believe that she's insane. She's well, locked you've up. come to believe that she's insane. Well, because she's locked up. But he's pretty yeah. cold on his mom. He is. In the beginning of Terminator 2. I mean, two. she was cool, but he's never, he's never encountered any of the nonsense that she has. So he, all he ever has to go on is her word. And as soon as somebody goes, nah, dude, she's crazy. He goes, oh, is that possible? Like, right. She's, she's the only one who's ever been there to tell him what to do. So Until the events of this movie, mm-hmm. where he learned, Terminator 2, where he learns that his mom was telling the truth, his mom's actually a super badass, mm. and there's this whole robot future in which he himself, John Connor, is the savior of humanity. Right. Imagine being a 10-year-old kid and learning that you grow up to be the savior of humanity. This, conceptually, is different than whatever John Connor had a different Kauri's dad. Mm-hmm. It goes hand in hand with everything else we're seeing, which is uh, the photo of John Connor and the recordings, which is the voiceover right. of Terminator 2 that Sarah's making for John, which he will, will would have otherwise listened to right. in the future. Well, he, he mentions Kyle Reese. John Connor, young John Connor, mentions his dad. Right. And he, so he's up on... All that too at yeah. this point, like he has that information. It's right, like he knows his name, up. but but a lot of fucked up information to have. Super fucked up information, but he's being he's being he's being groomed, and especially once he believes it, and once mm-hmm. he experiences the events of Terminator Two, he's like, oh shit, like I am a I John guess Connor. I am the guy. Like, yeah, there is time traveling robots, and I do save humanity until. They prevent that from happening. Right. And so what's almost interesting about Terminator 3 is thinking about this guy who's been, who who from birth was told and trained that he would train for uh, the, the eventuality that he would be humanity's savior. But right. then it doesn't happen. Yeah. What yeah, kind well, of guy he, do you he become? Got to be, he got to be the humanity savior along with his mom. In secret. In secret. At 10 years old. Yeah. Right? It's a very rusty venture sort of situation. <laughs> um, well, and then Terminator 3 does kind of go there. He's, you know, he's a burnout drunk off the grid. He's bored, <laughs> you know. He's purposely living... Sarah Connor dies of leukemia, yeah. by the way. Right. Yeah, Oof. she lives just long enough to see that Judgment Day doesn't... Well, I guess let's transition to Terminator 3. Yeah, yeah that's what we're talking about. Okay, so, um, Terminator 3. We jump ahead. Can you... Can you Google that for me real quick so we know what year it is? I think yeah. it's... Um, I'm going to look it up. 2004, 2005, but I would like to know for sure. But the point is, um, we meet John Connor at, you know, age 23-ish, something like that. He's He's been, like he says in the, uh, the run-up to the movie, he's been living off the grid, doing construction work, staying just, like, out of sight, off record, so that if Skynet ever wants to kill him again, it can't. 
takes place in 2004. Okay, 2004. So John Connor is 19 years old? Yeah, I mean, I guess. I think Nick Stahl was a bit older than that when he played that role, but that's okay. Um, But yeah, so he's just like chilling out, not doing much. You know, working construction grids, just staying alive, or construction uh, jobs, just staying alive. And um, Judgment Day has come and gone, right? So whatever changes that were enacted in Terminator 2 were successful in preventing the 1997 Judgment Day, as it was known by the Terminator who told it to them in that movie, right? Yeah. The information that that um, the T-101 had in Terminator 2 has been annihilated, rewritten, changed, right? So we're in a whole different, like, universe now. It's weird. Like, we're, we've moved on from what we know about Skynet. There's anything that goes on from here is different Skynet, right? Yeah. Apparently. Maybe. So on. But, of course, it's a Terminator movie, and two new Terminators show up. Um, they can't find John Connor in L.A. because he's off the grid. So a Kristana Lokenbot, which is a new Terminator TX, right? Um, it's both shapeshifty and um, has onboard weapons capabilities and nanomachine capabilities. Welcome to the second reason why <laughs> Terminator 2 ruined future Terminator yeah. sequels for all time. Because right. how do you trump liquid metal circuitry-free robots. Right. Well, Actually, nanobots are much more logical yeah. than liquid metal, which has no explanation. At least nanobots are a thing, or it could be ex- ex- extrapolated from existing technology. Right. Although, I mean, again, you got him the time travel, but whatever. We, that The whole Shut has up. to be alive part <laughs> just does not count anymore. But, yeah, you're looking at a Terminator that is more advanced than the T-1000 because it has T-1000 capabilities in addition to plasma weaponry. Right, which Kyle mentions in the first game, or the first movie, sorry. Um, the first movie were the kind of weapons that allowed the human resistance to deal with Terminators much more easily than conventional weaponry that's available in 1984. Right? So it brings a plasma gun in its hand that it can kind of do a shapeshifty thing. It brings nanomachines that allow it to control other machines, which, whatever that means, right? She, like, injects them into cars and then can control the cars weird it's a whole internet thing sounds sounds like the plot of transformers 2 oh yeah anyway let's never talk about that movie again (laughs) um so yeah she comes back she is uh unable to find john connor and so skynet is dispatching somebody to take out his lieutenants right so they have a shitload of information about the uh the resistance at this point it's seemingly a more distant future with a more advanced terminator or whatever it's a different future and Skynet can't find John Connor, so he's taking out his buddies, who are all kids, right? They haven't grown up to become military leaders yet. Right. And she's going around shooting them in the head. Um, another T-101 shows up uh, and intercepts Kate Brewster, who is um, Claire Danes. And in so doing, the T-101 also finds John Connor, because by circumstances... He happens to be there at the vet- the veterinary clinic where Kate works. Turns out, John and Kate knew each other when they were kids and would have um, fallen you know, in love. apparently fallen in love and become husband and wife. Right. Except for the interaction of the T-1000 and the T-101, who took John off the reservation and broke him out of the timeline. Right? So in another timeline, they would have grown up to be 
husband and wife, but they're thrown back in together by yet another Terminator. Faded, kind of like Skynet, uh -huh, I guess. Exactly. So Kate Brewster turns out um, in the future, who's John Connor's wife and second in command, according to the Terminator, sends this Terminator back to save them. In the same way John Connor does exactly, for his mother. Right. The third time. Right. Um, the movie progresses. They find out that there's another Skynet. There's another Judgment Day. And she does this because John is evidently killed in 2032. Killed in 2032. Yeah, which, which is also means... Several years forward, right? So it's, it's still three years after Victory yeah. Day, after V-Day, mm -hmm. right? Which means that that Orig was... Well, our original conception of Victory Day. Yes, right? which has now been overwritten, <laughs> supposedly. Yeah. Which makes sure, of course, it should have been. Right. But the trouble is that, like, all the previous information seems to be still relevant to all these years. They're right. not working on different timelines. Yeah. Or, uh, or they, we don't know that they aren't, but they also don't seem to be. Anyway. Well, the fact that they exist at all is problematic. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, they also seem to be, they also seem to remember the shit that happened in other timelines and other movies. But anyway, um, basically, the movie shakes out that uh, Skynet is still being created. It's in it's, uh, now a uh, defense project in the U.S. government, I think purchased from the defunct Cyberdyne or something right. like that. Yeah. Um, and through the course of the movie, they're talking about this virus it's, it's, that seems to yeah, be Yeah, specifically all. to prevent hacking is what Skynet is supposed to do. Well, no, it has the capabilities. It's a defense platform that has the capability to do cyber defense on the internet. Right. Right. Sure. It's it's a little weird. They're not super specific because Cyberdyne both has all these like weapons platforms attached to it. You know, they're building Terminator style robots. They're building the hunter killer flying things. You know, we see all these things later in the movie. Right. Um, apparently it still has connection. Well, no, you know what? It might be through the virus that it does all this. Anyway, there's this virus and it's like the internet and it has infected all the computers, including the defense computers. Um, and turns out it, the virus itself was a gambit by Skynet to have them turn Skynet on and give it control of everything. And when they do that, in order to destroy the virus, Skynet takes control and triggers Judgment Day in 2004. That's the end of the movie. Yeah. And uh, the TX fails to kill Kate and John, but... The T-101 winds up putting them in a uh, fallout shelter, and they survive the bombing. And that's how they get rejected. Well, that was an interesting detail, too, is that the reason why the T-101 uh, was able to kill John Connor in 2032 is right. because Skynet supposedly knew that John had an attachment to that model right. because he was saved by and hung out with one and in the events of Terminator 2, and so he was able to somehow get close to him. Yeah, or, you know, which for is, like, again, like, well, how does it happen? Well, it's like, yeah, it's like, thing? yeah, who knows? Yeah, there's a lot of that, though. Skynet, Skynet has all the information that the audience does at all times. Right. <laughs> but, yeah, so anyway, that's Terminator 3. Like Terminator 1 and 2, that introduces at least two more timelines. Yeah, again. so now we're, like, like in... G or three, I think it's three. I don't remember. But yeah, you've got your your timeline through the original timeline of starting from the beginning of the movie. John Connor grows up to become 
the leader of the resistance uninterrupted by additional time travel. That's what the hell time travel line were we on E, I think that was, at the end of Terminator 2. Which also implies that... No, it should be F, because I think I missed one in Terminator 2. And that's, that's, the screwy, that's the screwy thing, is that... I mean, that, and then I guess in that version, uh, Judgment Day is in 2004 anyway. Well, theoretically. Right. Yeah, well, I, mean, I guess... So they stopped I in 97, happens. Yeah. happens anyway in 2004, that's John what, Connor becomes the resistance that's leader That's what the Terminator anyway. says. Judgment Day is inevitable, which is a dumb rule. doesn't make a whole ton of sense, but that's what the movie wants it to be. It basically is... It's a rewrite of Terminator 2 in one line. doesn't make a ton of sense, but well, it does. Do it. it doesn't make sense, but, I mean, it is... What I like about it is that, okay, well, what what is... What, do, what message does John give to Kyle to give to Sarah in the first movie? Yeah, the future is not set. The future is not set. So, like, if you are Skynet, if you're the opposition, if you're the machines... You're you're reading the same thing. You're you're that's true. Your operation. You're like you're like. Well, they fucked that up, but they haven't actually solved for us yeah, or for exactly for me or whatever. Right. However I must still to, I still exist. I'll find a different way to yeah. exist. Although somehow I remember that I yeah, didn't that exist. I don't Internet. Know. Yeah. Well, exactly. <laughs> so anyway, so we got. I think it's timeline F. Timeline F is what I should have said at the end of Terminator Two. Is where we end. Timeline F. Timeline F continues. Yeah, because I forgot the one in Terminator 2 where there's no time travel after Terminator 1. Right. Yeah, so that would have been... So it should be F. There are three in each movie. There's the original, the first Terminator, and the second Terminator. Okay. So original, first, second, that's F. Six. So we have that timeline where, you know, whatever, Judgment Day happens. Somehow John survives it even though it's a nuclear fallout, um, that he's not expecting this time. And Skynet sends back the TX. That's timeline um, G. G. <laughs> I forgot the alphabet because um, my freaking eyes are crossing. <laughs> <laughs> so that's timeline G. It fails to kill John. For some reason, which it, keeps happening it for some reason. Maybe seems to kill, which is mounting evidence that it's multiverse and not a yeah. Oh no, it's super. It's super rough now. Or, or so, you know, it's just the mistake that they're yeah. doubling and tripling down on that you can follow someone <laughs> into a past that no longer, or right. from a future that no longer exists. It shouldn't exist anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, whether or not the the TX is successful in killing the lieutenants doesn't matter, but it is not successful in killing Kate Brewster. So she survives long enough to send back the T-101 to create uh, H, timeline H. And that's the timeline, Terminator 3, that we watch. Right. And then that movie ends. And Judgment Day happens in 2004. Um, and then, you know, it was supposed to kick off Salvation, Terminator Salvation, which was supposed to be a trilogy. It didn't happen. So we're going to ignore all that. There's yeah. no real time trouble in that anyway. Um, Shame. That, <laughs> Shame. Yeah. Shame. <laughs> yeah. So that should bring us to Genesis, I believe. And I think we've addressed all the weirdnesses, which are a ton. Yeah. One, there are a shitload of timelines. Two, the rules don't super make sense. Three, we're interacting with both. The well, fate is what you make, but not really, because it's yeah. maybe inevitable. Yes. I'm not really sure. And so there's an implied loop in Terminator 1. But the loop gets blown out by Terminator 2 because they prevent that judgment day. So 
John, like having the information to seed Kyle Reese in the past, no longer matters. I think as we understand the timeline, because like those events have already altered the future such that they're not going to occur the same way. Yeah. Um. So yeah, like it's all wonky. It's not like John has. It seems like John should not have to account for his own existence anymore. Kind of the same way we were talking about Marty McFly. You know, he's from the antecedents are from a different future. And have created a new timeline, and so they don't need to occur in a loop anymore. It's not; a, it was never a loop, or it wasn't. It may have been a loop in Terminator One, but it's never a loop anymore. Right. The loop is broken. So it's slightly less problematic because, at least in Terminators Two and Three, they don't go back to before John Connor was born. Yeah, they're so always operating in the future. You could, I mean, just despite all the timelines, you could argue that there are still only two John Connors. Theoretically, there's John Connor without the influence of time travel with a different dad, and right. then there's time tra- John Connor that we we grow to know, whose dad is Kyle Reese. You know, the one other thing that I want to say about Terminator Three, which I wish they had done, because I I, yeah. I like the idea that uh, you know you're this you're this kid who's been trained for and told that you're the savior of humanity against an apocalypse that never comes. Right. You know, it's it's like. Okay, sure, he's kind of he doesn't really know what to do with himself at the beginning of Terminator Three, but like, sure, all the stuff that happens in Terminator Three is terrible, horrible, whatever. But it would be, you know, you could almost argue that if that version of John Connor, who knows has all that information, would be kind of relieved or pumped up that it's still happening because he's yeah. like, oh man, I'm the savior of humanity again. Like, yeah, uh, to a degree, he's also he's a weird character in that movie. Yeah, you know? they don't really nail. No, yeah, he, John he Con- they don't bridge the gap between child John Connor and exactly. savior of humanity. He's John a little Connor. bit, he's a little bit the same guy exactly, and uh, yeah, it just does not. He doesn't really react super well in general, you know. I mean, it, I, I, I also kind of wish that he had had more of a hand in, in instead of just like oh. Skynet happens anyway, tough right. shit. The interesting and I think more logical version of that would have been a John Connor who has no purpose and his you know, his mother has died, and he not directly, it's not like he, he dips into uh you know supervillainy, right. but if he kind of inadvertently uh through screwing around helps lead to the creation yeah. of a new judgment day. And like, I mean that would have been a fun that would have been a fun script thing. And if you're going to go with these weird, like, constants that Terminator seems to have, where you've got Skynet leading to the creation of John Connor leading to the creation of Skynet, it would kind of still have some kind of weird synergy. This fate, this pseudo-fate that they've got going on. Yeah. Where that, the fact that they both exist helps create the other just because they're two inexorably tied together. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like you make well, that, I think I think that idea is, is super interesting and, and one that continues to build. And, you know, we've gone kind of long, so we won't get into it now, sure. but it's definitely something we should talk about uh, when we get to Genesis, which is, you know, the idea that Skynet and John Connor have, kind of have this symbiotic relationship. Mm-hmm. And Genesis, this isn't really a spoiler alert, but... Uh, the trailers spoil it for you. Anyway, you know, they, they almost get to the idea that, that Skynet isn't really about whatever 
AI becomes self-aware and, and causes the apocalypse, like the the impetus of everything bad that happens in, in all of the lives that are destroyed is time travel itself. Yes. And if you if you then you know take that logic forward and then the John Connor that we know is born of time travel. Right. So it's like you have evil, you know, machine empire born of time travel eventually Apparently. after the first time. Yeah. And then you have the savior born of time travel. It's like they're they're well, that's an idea that we should discuss a bit. Right. And then yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's wrap it up. We're going to pee. All right. Uh, thanks for joining us on this mind-bending discussion of Terminators 1 through 3. Oh, God. Skip Terminator yes. Salvation. There's not really a lot of time travel. Yeah, we're just not going to go Anyway, there. next week on the podcast, we'll be discussing the new Terminator Genesis. If you haven't seen it, I'm sure it'll be on DVD and video on demand in like three days. It didn't <laughs> do very well. Um, oh. But these filmmakers decided to just go but fucking wild yeah. with the time travel in a way that even the first three films didn't have and the gusto honestly, to do. I have to say, like wonky, ridiculous, nonsensical as it all is, I kind of love it because I think that for my interpretation, my fan interpretation of Genesis is that it totally just takes a shotgun to all three other movies and eliminates all their stupid rules. And it's like, we're going to go freaking off the wall, make up a whole new thing. And if you follow it down, which is a, you know, it's a long path. Which like three people in America can do. Uh-huh. And, and we're, we're two of them. Well, we're going to teach you, <laughs> right? If you follow it down, it makes it all make sense in a goofy, weird way. Yeah. And we'll, I'll explain. So join us next week for that podcast. Remember to rate, review, uh, subscribe, whatever, tweet about. Whatever maybe we'll start. Are. Maybe we'll start a Twitter account for the podcast. I don't know, people we do that. Starting, we keep starting Twitter accounts. Oh, we don't use. I know it's really <laughs> annoying. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter at HeWizard and me at at Phil Hornshaw. At 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 Twitter is dumb. <laughs> anyway. And uh, also buy our books. That's homework.